This is WJR's Business Biography. Now here's your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome to this edition of Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. When you think of law firms, most don't think of them first as businesses, but of course they are. And the ones that rise to the top are in part driven by the entrepreneurial leadership at those most successful firms. One such law firm here in our region that has had breakout success is one you'll catch on TV these days marketing their services. You've heard the familiar tagline, Goodman Acker, good decision. A law firm built on the values of being passionate about the work that they do and being highly focused on the client experience all the way through from start to finish of any given case. One driven by an authentic mission and purpose that is at the heart of this firm. And today on Business Biography, we'll hear the story from co-founder Barry Goodman on the origins of Goodman Acker and how and why it has grown to be so successful and so recognized by peers and clients alike as a real model for firms in their field. Barry, welcome. You are the co-founder of Goodman Acker, personal injury law firm in Southfield, Michigan. Take us back, Barry, to your younger days and how and why you ultimately took the path of becoming a lawyer and forming the Goodman Acker firm. We have been together for, wow, 35 years, Jerry Acker and myself. I was born in New York to parents that really were not educated, kept finding jobs and losing them. My father became a postal worker. After our chicken farm in Flemington, New Jersey, didn't work out for us. My sister got a, had asthma and the chicken feathers around didn't work out, so he joined the United States Post Office. Transferred to another New York residence in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Because that, to me, was also New York. The Yankees were there then. Joe Namath came down when I was down there to win the uh, 69 Super Bowl, which I happened to attend with my father. And around that time, my father was in a very serious accident while he was driving what basically is a glorified golf cart and had an intersection accident with a tractor trailer. He didn't win that battle. He was comatose for almost a month. And when he did come back, I had lost about half my father. And I was 12. So I saw my parents struggle after that, dealing with insurance companies, one after another. So unbeknownst to how my mindset was back then, it turned into wanting to help people, like my father, in the future, if I could be so lucky as to be able to do that. So off I went to... uh, college in Peoria, Illinois, Bradley University, because I finished my high school education after my junior year, applied for high colleges. They didn't give you a diploma in Florida unless you had all 12 years in. So somehow I got a high school diploma in the mail after my freshman year at college and then came back to law school in Florida, married a Detroit girl who was visiting down in Florida. And after about a year in Tampa, where my first job was, she said, I hate Florida. I want to move. Where do you want to go? Uh, I'd like to go home. Where is home? Detroit. Where is it again? Home is home. Home is home. Where where is it on the map so I know how to get there again? And, uh, you know, came up to Detroit. Had to take a second bar exam because I had only been practicing for two years. And you have to practice for five years in Michigan before you are allowed to transfer results from another state. 
I took a second one, got a job right off the bat in a uh, small boutique personal injury firm and shifted from there to a second one. And from there, I decided to open my own practice with a friend of mine, Jerry Acker, who I met right after I moved to Michigan in 1979. We met on the basketball court at uh, Maple and Drake. And we played every Sunday, and we became close friends and got our wives involved, and he was in his own practice, and he was sharing space with another attorney. And during that time, we decided to talk, and we decided to join forces. Left my firm, joined with an attorney by the name of Mayor Gordon and Jerry Acker with Gordon Goodman and Acker. That was in 93. Five years later, in 98, it became Goodman Acker, and we've been Goodman Acker ever since. We thought it was just a lawyer plus us. We now have a dozen lawyers on board. We have about 30-plus employees and other peripheral investigators and others that work under our umbrella, so to speak, and having a great time representing those that, unfortunately, were seriously hurt in an accident and can't help themselves and try to build their life back together. I hate insurance companies. I have always disliked them. They are driven only by money. If they charge you a premium and then they have to pay out a claim, the difference is profit. The bigger that profit, the bigger they make their salaries and their shareholders happy, but destroy the lives of others in doing so. You said that insurance companies are only interested in profit. I mean, most businesses are fundamentally designed by driving profits. They're fundamentally defined by, I should say, driving profits. Certainly nothing wrong with that in business. Absolutely not. Goodman Acker is a profitable company, too. Let's just talk Michigan. It's a nationwide problem, but Michigan is pretty significant because, again, when you go to law school, you learn nothing that helps you really practice law because it's people-driven in any field of law, they don't really teach you how to deal with that. And they don't teach you about politics in law school. Politics play a huge part in this field that I'm in, in personal injury litigation. Just as we have all these discussions about abortion, or we have discussions about guns, tort reform is a huge discussion. Insurance companies pay which most small businesses don't, inordinate amount of money, huge amount of money. Just as pharmaceuticals try to, to make a difference in the legislature, insurance companies do too, and try to continue to enact laws that inhibit, and in fact some that prohibit, the rights of victims to become whole. They pour their money into that. There's caps on MedMal. We're one of the few states in the country that have that. There are laws that passed insurance-driven. One, I talk about, everybody talks about slipping and falling on ice or on water in a grocery store or in a hole that's covered up by grass. Years ago, and I'm hoping that our Supreme Court reverses it come this spring, want to see that happen, I believe. But years ago, they passed a doctrine in the court system called open and obvious. If something's there to be seen, you don't have a claim against the company that caused that condition. For instance, if there's a huge pothole in a parking lot, a car is coming through the parking lot, you step to the side to get out of the way of the car, there's a pole, you fall, you break your leg. Sorry, it's there. It's open and obvious. You've seen it. 
they have no responsibility to fix their property. In the old days, when I started practicing, they had an obligation to make sure that their premises were safe and reasonable for people that came to give them money so they could earn a living and run a business. A man on a mission, look out, here comes Barry Goodman, and he's not going to take it from the insurance companies who don't stand behind what they promised and what they're legally due to deliver when it comes to someone receiving a rightful benefit payout. When we come back, you'll hear how Barry and his partner, Jerry Acker, built one of the most successful law firms in Michigan. Success driven by passion and dedication to do what is, in their view, simply right. Stick with us. Back with more in a minute right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. Today, we're featuring the story of one of Michigan's most successful law firms, a law firm that has grown not only to be able to claim that it has helped many people at times when they need that help most, but also a law firm that is clearly a very successful business in its own right. The successful lawyer behind that law firm and co-founder of the firm, Barry Goodman, is here with us today. The law firm is Goodman Acker, and we're telling that story right here on Business Biography today. So, Barry, this isn't just a job for you. It's really a personal mission. You can sense it. You can see it. You can hear it in your comments, see it in your body language. This is mission-driven. You're a man on a mission, Barry, and the intensity of your purpose is palpable, to say the least. I, I live and breathe it. 20 years ago, I decided every time I wake up, I thought about this client at 3 o'clock in the morning. What did I think about? So now I have a pad and paper for 20 years on the end table next to me. If I wake up thinking about something, I'll write it down in the morning. I look and say, oh, wait a minute, I wrote that. Because I, I live and breathe my clients. They're family to me. That's really Goodman Acker is about family. Not law firms that are fathers and sons and say they're family, but family in that our clients are family. I just got an invitation a couple of weeks ago from a client I represented 20 years ago who didn't even have a child, whose child is now getting married, come to the wedding. I mean, they're family to everyone in my office, and that's really how we emphasize that personal touch, the need for constant communication, which is the worst thing that lawyers do wrong is they don't communicate enough with their client. That's first and foremost. You know, I give most of them my cell phone numbers. It's a bad thing sometimes, but I want them to be able to find me if they need me. Yeah, of course, and I think part of the work that you do is hand-holding the counseling, being with them through the process. Absolutely. This is, in most cases, a very acute need that's a difference maker in life. I mean, we give to our clients when they first retain us. And I tell my clients, you just retain me to work for you. You're my boss now. I've got to make you successful and get back on the right track with your life and your work and your family. And we hand them our guarantees. There's five guarantees that we tell every client. We care. We're attentive. We're aggressive. We're knowledgeable. And we're honest. We tell them all. That's what we do. And uh, we have our own to our employees. We have a meeting every month with them. And we start with our core values of we are driven and hardworking. We're good people. We're customer service driven. We're competent and we're team players. That's my employees have to live and breathe that. And if they can't meet each of those then proven choices that they have to make, then they're no longer an employee of Goodman Acker. 
but most of them hopefully get infected by my enthusiasm and my joy of doing this work. Do you feel that, you know, one of the things that's really in vogue today, we see it all the time, we see uh, it's kind of a star-making kind of thing. You see the commercials these days by all lawyers in your field and, you know, icon marketing uh, that goes along with it. And obviously it works, very successful. But do you think it encourages the public? And you hear the, you know, what it would seemingly are public service commercials and so on saying, listen, if you've been exposed to whatever it may be, give us a call, 800, whatever, whatever. That kind of thing can make someone, you know, could, and I'm sure in some cases does, make people get a little creative. Oh, absolutely true. And there, I mean, look, Goodman Acker is a firm that also advertises a significant amount of time on television and other media. Goodman Acker, good decision. There you go. But what we get, and I don't think most other lawyers who advertise get, are compliments from legislators, from judges, your commercials are different. You're not touting the $15 million case you had. You're not telling people to drive over to you because they have so-and-so kind of a claim that may not even be a valid claim. You're setting out what our values are, that you're family to us, that we're going to do everything we can to make your lives rebuilt, one case at a time, one life at a time. And that's how we project ourselves. We're honest in that you know, I'm not looking to tell everybody that we have these multi-million dollar cases. I can tell you a great story of a $14.5 million case that I had. I don't tout it on the radio. I don't tout it on TV. All of us drive on the highways, especially in the city of Detroit. How many times do you drive down those streets and you see steam coming out from the manhole covers? Unbeknownst to me, till I got a call from someone, those manhole covers, somehow they create such pressure underneath that they fly up. Some have been known to have gone up as high as two stories. They're 150 pounds each. That's a weapon at that point. It is. And the weapon happened when I represented a woman and her boyfriend driving down the street, just dropped the child off, the car seats in the back. They were going out and they're driving down, I think it was Mount Elliott. And right in front of them is a manhole cover, like a million manhole covers. But at that unopportune time, it exploded. They drove through it. As it was going up, it came through their windshield. It took the right half of my driver, female client's face. She was worked for the city of Detroit as a secretary, had been in uh, the reserves, and in fact was still in the reserves. And her boyfriend, basically his left arm was broken in many places, had several surgeries. It ended up landed on the child seat. Got involved, went after the utility company, because they're the ones responsible for this, not the city of Detroit. And after a significant amount of back and forth, we had a trial through an arbitration, actually, hearing that they wanted to do, and I agreed to. And there was an award of $14.5 million for the young woman and another $875,000 for her boyfriend, a young man in the car. These things happen all the time. Most times these things happen and nobody does anything because they don't realize that there's a danger in not maintaining all that electrical wiring and everything that's underneath. You have to have a, an inspection process that, that costs money. Why do it? And this time they paid for it. And so that's one story of many that we have of large cases. You're listening to the story of how the law firm Goodman Acker was formed and how it became one of the most successful in its field as told by founding partner Barry Goodman. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, you'll hear how 
Just like any good entrepreneur, putting business fundamentals to work, for example, like clear and regular communication with the client and focusing on things like continuing to stay abreast of best practices in one's industry are the kinds of things that set a company apart and that lead to business success when running a law firm as a business, just as it would be the case with any business endeavor. Stick with us back with more in a minute right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography, today featuring the story of the business, yes, the business, of operating and growing a successful law firm. That law firm, Goodman Acker. You've seen the commercials on TV and heard them on the radio, and we're hearing from the firm's co-founder today on how this firm rose to breakout success, Barry Goodman. Barry, I'm curious if someone comes in and starts to tell you a story and they say they need your help and relative to their objectives, they do. But you look at the story and say, you know what? I'm not buying it. I'm always curious about attorneys. Do you take every case because you feel it's a duty to do so? I don't know what every lawyer takes. And I think there are firms that take everything and try to build it into something where there is nothing. Goodman Acker probably takes less than 10% of the cases, the calls that, that come in. Now, that's really interesting. I I would have expected. And we're busy. And it's not a commentary about your firm, but certainly even if you had said, we take 90% and turn away 10%, I would think that that's a a positive answer to my question. You know, you you just hate to see cases taken that clog up the legal system, bog it down, and, and go after people that are, you know, just fundamentally not responsible. And the problem with lawyers and law firms that do that, take everything and create something out of nothing, And it's easy for us to do if we wanted to do that. Oh, we got a doctor that we know you can treat with. We have this MRI facility that we know you're going to get a positive MRI. Those things happen out there. Those lawyers get sanctioned when they get caught, thankfully. But it's our belief that doing that hurts the good cases, hurts the clients because it's our reputation that's on the line. There are law firms out there, the insurance companies, they're proven guilty so they prove that they have a real case because they brought so many bad ones. When the insurance companies get Goodman Acker documents on their desk, they're going to at least say, this has got to be a genuine case. Let's just figure out, you know, if we have some defenses to it or how little we have to pay versus how much they want. But they're at the table quicker. Barry, you're a successful lawyer. You've got a successful law firm and a great reputation. What makes for a great lawyer today? You're part lawyer, as I said, part counselor, part entrepreneur. You've got a business you're growing there. I mean, as you sit here today, tell me about what makes you so successful. What are the ingredients that go into making you a success? Well, I think I said earlier, I think one of the ingredients has to be communication. There are months that go by between one thing you do for your client and the next thing that comes up to do for that client because there's so much waiting. It's typically from the time I sign a client to the time I resolve that case, it's 18 to 24 months. So months can go by without the clients really knowing if you're still alive. So the idea is to regularly communicate with them. Send them emails, letters, call. How you doing? The key to communication is also learning about them. Tell me about your family. Tell me about losses you might have had in your life. Tell me about the good things that happened in your life, including the things you love to do that now because of this injury you may not be able to do anymore because those are all compensable. If you lost the ability to play basketball and you did that every day in a league, hey, That's a significant 
lost, not only physically, but to your mental makeup. So communication is very important. The competence clearly is. We're one of the few firms that myself and Jerry Acker, my partner who's now been uh, retired since April of 21, we both were presidents of the Michigan Association for Justice. It's the only organization in the state that deals with personal injury lawyers to train them, to provide them with resources, to have us join a trial lawyer pack in order for us to try to create an ability to fight some of the insurance company arguments in front of the legislature. And uh, Jerry and I have also got very involved politically. From an early age, we started getting involved because we had some judges come to us. Hey, we like you guys. You guys are competent. You guys are good. You guys are out there. Would you help us with that? My campaign, you know, I'm a good judge. We got involved in a couple of those. Then all of a sudden we got involved in appeal court judges, Supreme Court judges. Jerry and I were finance chairs for Granholm and a run for attorney general and governor. We've been finance chairs for Kerry, Gore, two Obamas, Clinton, and now Biden. In fact, I just asked my fiance, who keeps me grounded because she's a therapist, to be my fiance last a week ago, Friday, I was at the White House for a White House reception because I am finance chair for Biden in Michigan. And I'm also finance chair for the second time for Gretchen Whitmer for governor. And so got, got there and Biden was walking by. A world-renowned violinist by the name of Itzhak Perlman was in a wheelchair going by first, being pushed by Joe Biden. And Biden's walking right behind Jill and he walked by me. I saw him three weeks ago at the auto show. So he stopped and said, hey, hi, Barry. Glad he remembered me. Shook his hand and said, don't get the Secret Service yet. I need you for 10 seconds. I need you to be a witness. Turned and asked my now fiancé to marry me. The two of them both looked like deer in headlights. There's no doubt about that. She stuttered a yes. He said good luck and moved on. But I've gotten a lot of kudos around here with the women in the community for saying they're pissed off at their husbands. How come you couldn't propose like that? But, you know, other than that, but, but the political side of things helps us and helps our clients because we're out there knowing that we are aiding judges who are doing the right thing. I don't want their decisions to always be for me. I love that, but I don't expect it. I just want them to be fair. There are judges that are not fair. There are judges that are overly left. Okay, I'll be glad to deal with them, but I'd rather that they be fair. And they know who I am and who my firm is. So does the adjusters, because they've seen us out there, and they know we're not in any trouble. We don't get investigated. We're doing our job, and we're doing it competently. And the political side of things does give us a more of a name for the insurance companies and the defense attorneys to deal with, because they all know that at the end of the day, judges play a big part, and they know that judges are understanding of the quality of Goodman Acker. I've said that I've got a dozen judges that have called me personally and said, we love your commercial. We don't love anybody else's, but we love yours. So give me an impetus to continue to do this, even though I tell the judges, you never call me on that. You know, you hurt, call me. But that's another reason. Education, I've, I've taught in seminars across the country, the Caribbean, Mexico, and Cabo, and Dominican Republic. Not a bad gig. I also chair the negligence section of the state bar, which was a great honor that I was provided with. And uh, these seminars they put on every other year, it's typically Vegas, every other year it's somewhere else in the country. So I've been given a title since my chair of the Minister of Fun. That's on their letterhead. Because I set up these networking events. Because part of the big problem with lawyers is you get in a fight with somebody on the other side, the other lawyer, nothing happened. These events, 
I put on, I give them an educational piece so the IRS says, okay, you can write it off as education instead of T&E. But the main requirement of this is get to know your opponents because half are plaintiff lawyers, half are defense lawyers, insurance company lawyers. You get to know that one lawyer in town starves, two lawyers in town both earn a living. So let's make it easier for us. Let's reduce some of the stress. It really is a highly stressful job that we do. But having the ability to network and get to know people, which I try to promote, uh, you know, really reduces that and gets you better results for your clients. Well, you're obviously highly focused and passionate about being a great lawyer. What about, you know, you also run a business. You see yourself as an entrepreneur? Yeah, we started from scratch. Absolutely see myself as an entrepreneur. And actually, I, I don't want to make it a, a point here, but I own cannabis business also up in Clio. I'm vertically integrated up there. And I did it also primarily when I got into it, it was medical only on, as the law. And I said, half my clients are on opiates. I'm trying to get them off of there. Not that I want to send them to my, I'm up in Flynn. I mean, I don't have a lot of clients up there, but they need to know that THC can remove their desire for opiates and make their life better, help them sleep better, help them manage their stress, their pain. And it's a lot safer and cleaner and they can live their lives a lot better than being hooked on, you know, barbiturates or other opiates. It's just crazy. So I got in for that reason, but, you know, that's just an extension of wanting to help my clients and those similarly situated anywhere in any way I can. A capable lawyer providing results to his clientele and a proven entrepreneur leading his firm, Goodman Acker, to become a model of success for Barry and his partners in the business. You're listening to Business Biography, back with more of our featured story right after this break. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. Today, featuring the story of the law firm Goodman Acker, how it was founded, and how and why it became so successful, as told by the firm's founder, Barry Goodman. Barry, if a young person were to approach you today and say, I want to do 